Hey guys, and welcome back to The Biblical Woman. I'm Kat, and I just want to say another congratulations to Whitley and her baby. I am so excited for her and her husband. So just be keeping them in your prayers as they begin this journey of parenthood. But with that being said, we are going to have to finish season one uh, without her, but she'll be joining us for episodes in the future. We're going to finish out season one and season two is going to be kicking off in November, that second week of November. So I'm super excited. But I do want to take this episode and introduce you guys to our new co-host. We've had her on the show before as a guest author and just a guest podcaster. And she was actually our first guest interview just in general. So I want to welcome Nicole Byram back. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be doing this with you. Oh, I am so excited too. It's just amazing how many wonderful Christian people you meet through doing podcasting, through writing, all of it. And it's just so encouraging to meet people like you. Oh, thank you. Yes, I, I definitely agree with that. That was has been a very unexpected and pleasant, I guess, kind of side effect, if you want to call it that, from just putting stuff out there, whether that's writing and podcasting. It's been so fun to get to know you and um, a few others that I've connected to as well. So yeah, it's it's been great. It's just so, so encouraging. And I'm really excited to have you on the show. I know it's going to be season two, so you'll be with us for that. But I am glad that you are going to be doing this episode with us. We are going to be tackling another Old Testament book. Everybody really loved Obadiah. So we're going to go into Lamentations today. But before we do, Nicole, do you want to share just a little bit about yourself for our audience so they can get to know you a little bit? Sure. So like you and Whitley, I also live in Ohio, but in the Northwest part. So it's kind of cool that at least we're in the same state doing this. Um, Yes. But yeah, so I live in my hometown with my husband. We've been married for 16 years, and we have two kids, um, 11-year-old and a 9-year-old. So that's kind of us in a nutshell, just doing our thing. I've been a therapist for 14 years, mainly in the realm of community mental health, and actually recently have kind of been switching gears to working in a faith-based private practice. So um, that's been a new thing for me, Um, but cool to kind of do what I've been oh, yeah. doing in a very different kind of way. So it's it's been a good season of change. Oh, yeah. And that's awesome that you get that opportunity to share your faith and talk about things of the faith with your clients. Oh, yeah. it's It's been amazing. It's, it's just been, I don't even know how to say it other than that. It's just been so different and refreshing and freeing, I think, is probably the, the best way to describe it. Oh, yeah. And you're a runner, right? Yes. Yep. I have a lot of hobbies. I like to run, lift, swim, bike. I do all of that. Um, Although not quite as, I don't know, intensely as I used to. Over the last couple of years, I've picked up, kind of traded in a little bit um, for some newer hobbies that I've enjoyed, such as writing. That's definitely a newer thing to me in the last Mm-hmm. I don't know, year and a half, two years, um, and reading. I've, over the last three years, become a very avid reader. So 
yeah, those are the things that I like to do in my free time when I'm not at work or with the kids or doing laundry or dishes. Because <laughs> <laughs> those are never ending. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's why I love podcasting so much is that like I get to have adult conversations throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you are in that season where, yeah, that is definitely a, a bigger need, I think. Yeah. When you have a yes. little one like that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, So this topic of lamentations and women studying the Old Testament, why do you think that it's important for us to dive into the Old Testament? Oh, man. So a couple of years ago, I think two years ago, um, 2018, I had made it kind of my goal for the year to actually follow through with reading the Bible in a year. And I did it. That was, and you know, I was proud of myself for that, for sticking to it, for accomplishing that. But through that, I, you know, of course was able to read through chronologically through the old Testament and mm-hmm. it was amazing. And I, I know sometimes there's parts of it that maybe are intimidating or confusing, or there's so much history, but I think just through that, that helped me to be less afraid, like just because I went through it, you know, once, like in a kind of a big way like that, it made me less afraid of it, I guess. And just to see the the richness that is there. And I think sometimes there's a tendency for us to focus more on the New Testament because maybe it's easier to understand in some ways, or maybe that's the part that just we relate to a little bit differently. But man, I, as we'll talk about here soon with Lamentations, I just... You, you can't ignore the Old Testament. It is so pivotal to our faith and to for us to know who God is. So absolutely, it is, it is so important to our faith to, to study the Old Testament. Oh, absolutely. Nicole and I are, one of our goals is to help you guys boost your confidence in reading the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we are going to be trying to provide you with different tools and resources to help you do that. And what's really special about this episode was that we studied this book as like a mini Bible study long distance. We live in the same state, but it is two or three hours. Yeah, at least maybe even like three, three and a half, I think. We did this long distance, uh, long distance Bible study thanks to technology. (laughs) So this is a really special episode and our goal is to just help you with different tools and resources to dive deeper into God's word. With all of that being said, we're going to give you a little bit of information about the book of Lamentations. We're going to be diving into also why context is important when we read the Bible. Yes. So just some quick facts about Lamentations. We typically attribute it to Jeremiah. Lamentations is a book that is expressing the pain of the fall of Jerusalem. There are five chapters and they are five poems and it's lament styled poetry. Typically, when we think of poetry in the Bible, we automatically think of the Psalms. And that's kind of the only one that we really think about. But The lament is a type of poetry that is also found in the Bible, and that is what Lamentations is. And so there's five chapters, each a different poem about this event. And what's interesting is that four out of five of the chapters are acrostic. And what that means is that each verse begins with a consecutive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. 
So verse one would begin with their letter A. Verse two would begin with their letter B. So that's chapters one, two, four, and five. And then chapter three is the longest book, or not the longest book, the longest chapter of the book. And it's written in triads. And these triads follow that same consecutive pattern. People think that this is to help others memorize this book because it's written in that poetry song style. That is so cool. And those were facts about Lamentations that I did not know or prior to studying this. Oh, yeah. It's uh, very interesting because I personally, until we started diving into this, I did not recognize that there was a second form of poetry within the Bible uh, because I automatically just went to the Psalms as, oh, yeah, that's the only form of poetry in the Bible. So this was a great learning opportunity for me. Oh, yes. Yeah, agree. Why do you think that context is important when we read the Bible? Oh, because that, I think, I mean, that is how you know what the author is trying to communicate. It gives you the background as to why it was written, which is incredibly important for us to understand and then make sense of why they're what they're saying. And yeah, so it's important to know what was going on in that time period. It's important to study culturally um, the things that are mentioned in the Bible just because it helps us to have a clearer understanding of of what is being communicated. Absolutely. Once we have that context, that historical and cultural context, we are increasing the amount of knowledge that we are going to walk away from this book with. Context allows us to correctly read, interpret, and apply scripture to our life the way that God intended it to be. Right. Yes. Yes. And I think, yeah, understanding the context helps keep us from twisting the scriptures or from applying it, you know, or taking a different meaning that was not intended to be taken. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Because I know with our last episode with the Gen Z Bible, that was something that we had to talk about a lot was Mm -hmm. when you take a verse out of context, you know, your application is going to be one, wrong, and it's going to be very different than the application that you would have walked away with had you read the verse in the correct context. Yes. I literally just listened to that episode yesterday as I was driving home um, from work, and it was fantastic. Oh, Oh, thank you. Yeah, we had so much fun recording that. I'm sad that that was an episode that we had to do, but there was a lot to talk about. I was so super impressed with the 16-year-old. I forget his name already. I'm so sorry. But oh my gosh, he was amazing. I like his knowledge and just where he's at in his faith and like his understanding blew me away. I couldn't even, I wish I was in that place theologically at 16, you know, super impressed. (laughs) Yeah. And for our listeners, that is um, Alexander Stone from a Stonewall's perspective, you can find his podcast, I think, pretty much anywhere. And then he yeah. is also on YouTube. He is has a YouTube channel that you can subscribe to on there as well. Um, but yeah, he is so intelligent. And it was yeah. yes, really was amazing to work with him. Yes, that was great. So Nicole, do you want to share a little bit with us about the context of Lamentations? Yes. So Lamentations was written um, by Jeremiah, we believe. And he 
foretold the fall of Jerusalem. And so then when that did happen and when the Israelites were taken to exile, captured by their enemies, the Babylonians, and exiled to Babylon. Jeremiah is writing this as a lament to this tragedy that has happened to the Israelite people, that there's this beloved city is now in ruins and the people are in anguish and captivity. It's a very sad book, Mm -hmm. obviously with a name like Lamentations. (laughs) There is beauty within it too. And that's something that you and I are going to be sharing with Mm -hmm. everybody here in a little bit. Right. And I Um, think another part of the context that is important to understand is why they were in captivity. They were in captivity because they had been disobedient to God time and time and time again and continued to fall into idolatry of their neighboring countries. And they were worshiping idols. They were worshiping false gods and God had been patient with them and he had warned them, prophet Jeremiah, you know, like we said, he had foretold this and warned the people, but yet they persisted in their sin. And so their captivity was, as we'll talk about, their just punishment. Yes, absolutely. We aren't going to read the book. We're probably going to read a couple verses, but we really encourage you to go read it. It's five short chapters You can easily read it in one sitting. So we will be using the ESV. um, So you might be using something different if it doesn't match up 100%. And we are going to tackle this book chapter by chapter, talking about the important information in each chapter. And then we're also going to see what each individual chapter teaches us about God. So we are going to learn five different facts about God through the book of Lamentations. All right. So chapter one, kind of some main points that sets the the stage for the book is that Jerusalem has fallen from her glory. And that was an incredibly tragic event. Um, Jerusalem was where like the Israelites worshiped. That was, you know, this city that God had raised up for them. In verse two, describe that now Israel, she she has lovers, but no comfort. And this is kind of describing what Israel has done, that they have traded away what they had with God. They have traded that for lovers, for idols. And so now God has like given that to them in a sense, like, okay, he's kind of handed over, like they went after the things that they wanted. And, but now she has no comfort that they have abandoned God for their own desires. And then, yeah. And then later in verse 19 of chapter one, it talks about how her lovers have deceived her because that is so true. That is what happens, right? Something looks so good that is outside of what God's will is for us, but it it is deception. Um, And then this just leads to total devastation in every sense Mm -hmm. of the word for the Israelite people. You're a hundred percent right with verse 19 that, her lovers or sin, it deceived her into thinking it would give her something that it, that it didn't. Right. Absolutely. Which is what sin does. We see that even as far back as the original sin, the garden of Eden, right? It did not Eve eating of the fruit did not bring about anything that that fruit was promised to her, you know, from the serpent. So yeah, we can see that kind of from the beginning. Um, That's how sin operates. And then verses 5 and 13, they talk about 
okay, because of this, this is why Jerusalem has fallen. This is why they're in exile, that the Lord has afflicted her. And that is hard sometimes, I think, for us to understand or to hear, except that this judgment was from God, that he brought this to be. And I know we will talk more about that in the coming chapters because that's such a huge theme, but that this is his judgment. Like it makes that very clear that this is from God. And also in verse 18, um, the prophet Jeremiah, he acknowledges that this judgment is justified. Yeah, I think that's huge. So what do we learn about God in chapter one? We learn that God is just and that he is right in his judgments. Again, verse 18 um, shows us that, that when we walk in disobedience, it will there are going to be consequences for that sin. And as we'll talk more, you know, as the chapters continue, that this is for a season and it's for a purpose. God's judgment is for yeah. a purpose. That he is completely just. God does nothing. Like he gives nobody injustice ever, mm-hmm. ever. And it just shows also the utter devastation that happens in our lives when we try to walk in our own ways and not God's. When we think we know best, when we chase after idols or lovers, it is going to end in devastation. And also that it shows God's sovereignty and providence. So Israel's enemy was raised up by God for his purpose. Now, the enemy also had their own wicked intentions, of course, yeah. like the Babylonians were like, yeah, we're going to go get the Israelites to accomplish God's purpose and bring him glory. Like, no, the Babylonians <laughs> rose up against Israel because of their own wickedness to overtake them and destroy their city. And again, more on that one later, but but ultimately, and it's hard to understand how it all works, but God raised the Babylonians up to accomplish the purpose of, of judgment against his um, his people. Well, and your your point there with sovereignty and God raising up the enemies to accomplish his purpose, that reminded me of the book I've been reading through, which is Habakkuk. What's interesting about that minor prophet is that most of the prophets bring a message from God to the people. And with Habakkuk, he's actually addressing God you know, himself, and he's got questions. These questions revolves around, like, why are you raising up this enemy to uh, punish us? Are they not evil? Are they not wicked? And that's God's answer is with his sovereignty and that they accomplish his purposes, but he still will judge them for their actions. Yes, yes. Sorry, that just reminded me of yeah, no. what I've been reading in scripture. <laughs> no, that's great. And don't you love that, like seeing that consistency in scripture, that yes. the message of God is so clear throughout the entire Bible, whether it is, you know, no matter who wrote the book or, or how far apart, you know, in years the books were written, that that it is inspired by God. And so it it all connects. It all is consistent. It's so beautiful to see how everything connects with each other. Yes. Yes, absolutely. All right. So we're going to move into chapter two. With this chapter, we see that God's righteous, holy anger is being poured out on Israel. And his wrath is so great that not even the sacred things, not even the temple 
is spared. And, you know, the temple, that's where they could approach God and worship him. And not even that is spared in this in this battle. Israel's enemies, they are mocking her. They're gloating in victory. I go back to Obadiah and that passage of her enemies, everything that they did and how prideful and happy they were with their sinful actions because they think that, you know, we've done this in our own strength. And we, as Christians, we know that that was not the case. God raised them up and used them for his purpose. But verse 17 reveals to us that, you know, this was God's plan and it was accomplished. Yeah. And that that just shows the consistency of God. And like any good parents, you know, as a good father, he he follows through with what he says he is going to do. In a sense, like this is a loving action. You know, he is giving them this consequence for a reason. And it's ultimately to draw them back to him. But yeah, that he followed through. He was consistent and that his his purpose was accomplished. Yeah, absolutely. With this chapter, what we learn about God can be found in verse 17. So I'm going to go ahead and read that for you guys. And verse 17 says, The Lord has done what he purposed. He has carried out his word, which he commanded long ago. He has thrown down without pity, and he has made the enemy rejoice over you and exalted the might of your foes. What we see with that verse is, you know, God is faithful. His word does not change. And even in judgment, he is faithful to do what he says that he is going to do. And that was part of the covenant with Israel. They they knew what would happen if they continued to sin without repentance. Mm-hmm. And God was faithful to his word in this event. Right. And it's easy to think that maybe this is super extreme judgment, you know, that, oh, the punishment here doesn't fit the crime. But I think when that's faulty thinking, because we have to always be so remembering, so mindful of God's holiness, and we can't even begin to comprehend his holiness and that our sin is egregious to him. So absolutely, this consequence is is just and it it does fit the crime. (laughs) I completely agree with you. Let's dive into chapter three. So this is kind of the um, the most famous verse, I would say, from Lamentations comes out of chapter three. Um, and so we'll get to that here in a minute. But it is, it is kind of, a, we see a shift here. So chapters one and two have been this lament and j- God's judgment. And we see that. So in the beginning of chapter three, it's, kind of more of the same. It's this continual, like emotional, physical distress that the people are in. And Jeremiah is just pouring out his soul about this. And then, and this is where the the most famous verse I think comes from, verse 21, like kind of out of nowhere, almost, it's a complete, Mm -hmm. like flip, you know, complete switch. And it says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So those were verses 21 to 23 of chapter three. And so those are the the verses that we hear often, right? Great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. And Mm -hmm. so after all of this lamenting, this is then it shifts to like, this is now the hope. And this is the thing that the 
prophet is now recalling kind of out of nowhere, but he's calling to mind this hope in the steadfast mercies of the Lord and that they are new every morning. Um, and so this is kind of a memory of God's devotion in the past of his past faithfulness. And this is based on the knowledge of God's character and his past mercies. Um, verse 22, that steadfast love, um, the original Hebrew word for that is hesed, which is the covenant devotion of God to his people. And this was something that my study Bible noted that I thought was really cool, that his covenant devotion is always joined with his compassion. And I thought that was really cool. And it just made the point that- I really like that. Yeah, me too. That God's wrath is temporary. This judgment is only for a season. It is not going to be this like thing that goes on and on because he has to act in accordance with his character. And his character is- like love and compassion and his goodness. And so this time of judgment will come to an end. And so this is what now Jeremiah is focusing on. 21 and 22, it's such a big shift from the rest of the chapter, like you said, or even just the rest of the book, chapters one, two, and three up until this point, you know, we there's a lot of just graphic language of what is going on, what is happening to Israel and her people. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, he says, I call to mind and therefore I have hope and praises the Lord for his love and his faithfulness. Reading the preceding chapters, it was, it's very interesting that even through all of that suffering, the sudden switch to praising the Lord for his love and his faithfulness, it's a very big shift. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And even at the end of the chapter, the kind of the last part of chapter three, he's talking about the confidence that he has that God is hearing his cry and yeah. that God will destroy his enemies. And verses 34 to 38, shows that ultimately God does not approve of the actions of Israel's enemies, which is really interesting that it is both simultaneous, you know, that God raised up the enemy to accomplish his purpose. But at the same time, the enemy was wicked, right? And that God does not approve of the the way that they are treating the Israelites and what they're doing. Um, So it shows that God uses things he hates to accomplish what he loves. And I think that is a very hard concept to grasp, but it's also just amazing and beautiful picture of his sovereignty. It is. And I think that that's what we learn in this passage is that we can have hope and confidence in who God is. Yes. Because like you said, he has to act in accordance with his unchanging character and he can't compromise any of his traits. Right. Right. Yes. And I love that. I love that. There's, that is such a a reassuring thing that there are some things that God cannot do, right? That he cannot violate his character. He always has to act in a way that is holy and just. And that is fantastic news for us. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's dive into chapter four. Once again, we are seeing how vastly Israel had fallen and, you know, we are seeing the depth of God's judgment. She has become defiled, unclean. 
And Israel, you know, she had put her hope and her trust in political alliances with other nations rather than trusting the Lord to protect and provide for her. And as the chapter closes with verse 22, we see that the punishment is accomplished. And God is saying that this time of judgment, it will come to an end for Israel. And, you know, she doesn't have to worry because there will come a day when her enemies will be punished for these wicked and sinful actions committed against her. Right, right. And in the larger scheme of of life and of scripture, I think this shows that we are the same as the Israelites in that we need a savior. Yeah. Um, just as we were, or Israel was completely, as you said, decimated and just ruined in every way. Like the, the New Testament says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And so us, like, this is where I think the application or how we can see ourselves in this story is that we are, we are Israel or we were Israel, you know, before Christ and that we need a savior. I completely agree. And I think you really hit the nail on the head. Because <laughs> um, like you said, Romans 3.23, and we we were Israel. I think a lot of the times we're tempted to look back at the Old Testament, especially when like Israel was wandering in the desert and how much they complained, how unfaithful they were. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for us to judge them without realizing like, hey, that's us too. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're right. It does show that we are wretched people. We are wicked people and we are in the need of a savior. And that is Christ. Yes. Yes. And I think that that is one way that this book does point forward to Christ is helping us see why we need him. Right. And I think just kind of as an aside, maybe, or it goes back to one of the original questions that you had asked before we started, um, actually diving into Lamentations was just about why it's important to study the Old Testament. And I think that was another big takeaway for me when I was doing the Read the Bible in a Year was to be able to look back and see that the whole Old Testament is a setup for like demonstrating why we need a Savior. Like the whole Old Testament points to Christ. And that is awesome. Like I love that. And I think when I was growing up, um, that wasn't something that was really ever made clear to me. I don't, yeah. I don't know why, or maybe I just missed it or didn't put it all together until I was older. But just to see that there is like Jesus is in every part of the Bible, every book of the Bible. It, it, he's not just like all of a sudden showing up in the New Testament. So again, that's why it's so important to read and study the Old Testament. And I completely agree with you on that point. So kind of with that, like chapter four, where we um, were talking about how it you know, the knowledge that we are sinners, like that is what leads us to to Christ. That is what hopefully brings us to moving towards a relationship with him and to acknowledging him as our savior is our wretchedness and our sinfulness. And I think chapter five, as we kind of go into chapter five of Lamentations, that's kind of where we find the Israelites is that they come finally to this place you know, they see their sin for what it is and they acknowledge their sin and they're remorseful. In chapter five, it says, for this, our heart has become sick. 
Like they finally kind of got it. Like, oh my gosh, this is the weight of our sin. We do need God. We he we should never have left, you know, for our other lovers. Like we were wrong and they repented. And so they see themselves and they see God accurately. Like they see, okay, we are sinners and we need God. God is holy. God is good. God is just. He's sovereign. He's in control. Like we are not. And when we see ourselves and God accurately, that's when restoration can happen. So, and they beg, they beg for restoration. Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. And there had to be that repentance to it. You know, yes, they were pleading for God to restore them, but that had to happen in connection with their genuine repentance. And I I love that point that you pulled out. And I'm really glad that you mentioned it because when we were exchanging notes during our Bible study, preparing for this episode, like that was an amazing point that you had written was that repentance and restoration go hand in hand. Sometimes like in the church, the message that we, that comes across most predominantly is God loves you. God loves you. Jesus died for you. God loves you, which is absolutely a hundred percent true, but also we have to, in order to be restored, we do have to acknowledge our sin and yes. repent of our sin. Um, and I think that's one thing that we can take away from this chapter, from chapter five. I like that you pulled that point out because I think just the overall thing that we can learn about God in this passage, or just even the whole book, mm-hmm. was that you know He is eternal. His authority, power, wrath, judgment, goodness, everything, it endures forever. He's never going to violate any of those. And you're right. We need to have that healthy balance of God is love, but God is also just. And he will punish sin and there will be a judgment day. Right. Right. We cannot escape that truth. We cannot pretend that truth doesn't exist. (laughs) can't cover that up. (laughs) But that should also motivate us to go out and share the gospel with someone, you know, whether that's with a friend, with a coworker, or even just your children. That truth should motivate you to share the gospel with others. Right. Because that's loving. That's the loving thing to do. Yes. So what do you think the whole Bible connection is with the book of Lamentations? Again, like we talked about, just how every book of the Bible points to the cross, it points to Jesus, and that his death on the cross is the ultimate expression of the covenant faithfulness of that said of God, yes. that he is like, he w- is the savior, you know, for all um, who believe in him. And you know, completely humiliated and he bore the sins of the whole world um, on the cross. And, but then he was exalted. You know, we know that he overcame and he rose and is seated at God's right hand. And this book of Lamentations just shows that. I think you're completely right with that. And seeing how Lamentations connects to the Bible as a whole just it helps us see how the Bible flows and connects with each other. You know, seeing how Lamentations connects to the Gospels and just knowing that it all points forward to Christ. Yeah. And that is so beautiful. And again, that ties in with him acting according to his character and his promises. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
Well, thank you guys for listening so much. And thank you again to Nicole for recording with us today. And you're definitely going to be seeing a lot of her in season two, because I think we have two or three episodes left in season one. And then Nicole and I are going to be tackling some really great issues for season two. And as we get closer to that time, I'll let you guys know what those are. But in the meantime, if you're needing a short devotional podcast, go ahead and check out the 5-Minute Word, which is Nicole's podcast. I also have a blog um, on my website, and so I try to kind of like alternate, you know, maybe one week I'll post a blog, the next week um, a podcast and, and kind of go more in that direction. We are also now on Patreon, so if you guys would like to help support us, you can do so for as little as $2.99 a month, and you know you get special features with that. You can be featured in our monthly newsletter as a patron, receive free downloads that are only available to our patrons, and then you can have options for poll vote. Oh my goodness poll voting uh, for new content and then 25% off all of our merchandise. And go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram. And be sure to follow Nicole on Facebook. On my Facebook, it is, I have two things going on Facebook as far as pages that are separate from my personal page. I have just my name, Nicole Byram. And usually on that page is where I post anything that I write both like for my blog or for other people um, that gets published. Um, And I post my podcasts there as well. And then I also have Remade Living Free. That's another page on Facebook, which is more just geared towards the book that I wrote as well. So, So those two things. Yes. So be sure to follow us on all of those. And if you've missed our, any of our upcoming episodes, our, our past episodes because you won't want to miss the upcoming ones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, our past episodes, we've talked about the Gen Z Bible. We've talked about uh, teen issues. We have talked about um, the importance of family devotion. So be sure to check out any of those if you've missed those. And then for our upcoming episodes, Nicole and I are going to be letting you guys know more about those as we get into season two. Uh, Cause I'm so excited because I'm not going to share any of the ideas we've talked about yet, but <laughs> they're pretty good. I'm just going to say that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I will go ahead and close this out with our benediction for today. And it comes from first Timothy one to the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.